We said that we would talk tonight um, the preparation for Shavuos, um, some concepts about Shavuos and the giving of Torah, and specifically the special gift of Torah, which is really the name of the Yom Tov. The name of the Yom Tov is, as we say in davening, Zman Matan Torah Senu. It's the, the day of the Matana, the gift. That? I don't think so. I don't think so. The gift of Torah. And really tonight is very apropos to begin talking about it because tonight is Rosh Chodesh Sivan. Um, and Rosh Chodesh, always in every month, Rosh Chodesh is the, um, the day from which all the days of the month receive their energy, their chayis. In fact, according to, according to Kabbalah, all of the energy for the year comes down on Rosh Hashanah. And for every month, on the Rosh Chodesh of that month. So Rosh Hashanah, is, you have the general chayis, the general energy for the entire year. And then that's divided into 11 other Rosh Chodeshim. And from there comes the energy for that month. So Rosh Chodesh really encapsulates whatever special days there's going to be in that month. And this month, of course, the most special day is Shavuos. Is someone sponsoring the class? Like Oh. Okay. okay. But even, um, even more than that... Alright, whatever. <laughs> Even more than that, when it comes to Rosh Chodesh Sivan, so the Gemara says that it was on Rosh Chodesh that the Hachonis, that the preparations for the giving of Torah really began in earnest. Um, we know on, really on one level, the Jews were preparing for the Torah from when they left Mitzrayim. Because... When they left from when they left Mitzrayim, they were counting down. That's really where one of the ideas behind the mitzvah Sfira Sa'imer, where we count every day, their Yidin were counting with expectation, with anticipation for the coming of the Torah, for the, for the giving of Torah. So, really, the entire 49 day period was a time of counting and waiting. But the, they actually arrived in Midbar Sinai on Rish Chodesh. So they were traveling, right? They were traveling those 49 days, and they arrived by Har Sinai on Rosh Chodesh Sivan. Um, and it's about this day, which again begins tonight, that the Pasuk says a very famous and beautiful statement, which is, Vayichan Sham Yisrael Neged Hahar, that the Jewish people encamped opposite the mountain, but the word used is Vayichan, which is in singular. Yachid, Lashan Yachid. Where seemingly it should have said, Vayachanu, that they encamped, and it says as if it was one person. Vayichan. And here we have the Medrash that famously says, Ki'ish echad belave echad. That it was on that day that we reached a level of perfect unity. Um, now we know Klal Yisrael is great and Yidin are wonderful, but perfect unity is not necessarily our strong point. Um, <laughs> Yidin are known to be rather opinionated. Again, present company excluded always. But other Yidin <laughs> sometimes have differences of opinion, you know, and see, don't see things eye to eye, which is perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine not to see things eye to eye and to have differences of opinion because Hashem created us different. Um, as it says, Keshem Shepartzufehen, just like there's no two faces that are exactly the same, Hashem didn't create our minds equally. So having different opinions and different ways of seeing things is fine. The question is, or the point though, is that we should still remain unified. 
And it was on this day, on Rishchidosh Sivan, that the Torah itself gives that testimony, that we were able to reach a level of perfect unity. And that was a necessary precursor or prerequisite to the giving of Torah. The Torah that Hashem gave us is the greatest gift that Hashem gives us. Again, I say Matan Torah, the gift of Torah. And the necessary prerequisite in order to be worthy, in order to be vessels, to receive Hashem's gift, is unity, is achdus. Um, we say in Shmona Esrei, in the Sim Shalom, Barcheinu avinu kulanu ke'echad. That what is, we say, Hashem, please bless us, our Father. Why? What is it about us that makes us deserving of His blessing when we're able to practice achdus, unity? And therefore, when it was in this day of Rishchidosh Sivan, that we reached this level of Vayichan Sham Yisrael, of unity, we became kalim, we became vessels for the greatest of all brachas, the bracha of Torah. In fact, it's written in Sfarim that the first two letters of the Aleph Beis, Aleph Beis, can stand for Achdus Bracha. When there is Achdus, when there is unity, then that we are keli for Hashem's bracha, the greatest bracha of all, Torah, which is also Beis. Torah begins with Bereshis. Bereshis, the first letter of the Torah, which is Bereshis, also stands for Bracha. Aleph, Beis, through Achdus of Rishchidosh Sivan. When we reach that level of unity, then we come to this, the great Bracha of Hashem. Um, it's very beautiful. Quickly, I'll just say a quick vart of the Rebbe about this. Um, the Gemara says that when they came to, um, that from Rishchidosh Sivan, is when the um, hachanes, when the real preparation for the giving of Torah began. So the Gemara describes the six days leading up, or the five days leading up to Shavuos. And it says like this, this is a Gemara in Tractate Shabbos. And the Gemara says that on Rosh Chodesh they came to um, Sinai, but on that day, le'omar lahem midi. Hashem didn't tell anything to the Jewish people. Why not? Because we were tired from the way. Chulsha after all, we had just traveled, it was Rosh Chedesh, so we were tired, and therefore Hashem didn't tell us anything. And Hashem began talking to us in preparation for Matatera on the second day of Sivan. That's what the Gemara says. So one of the talks, one of the Sikhs, the Rebbe asked, he says, it's odd. You know, when, when we're tired, what are we tired for, or what are we not tired for typically? We're tired for something that we're not that excited about. Something that I'm not that excited about doing, I'm too tired to do. But something that I'm looking forward to and something that I'm excited about, typically tiredness doesn't hold me back from doing Actually, something. I alter the tiredness from <laughs> disturb. Even that which we're so, so excited yeah. about. What? Yeah, but I'm just saying. He says, he says, the Yidden left Mitzrayim and they've been counting down for this day. They've really been counting down, think about it, for hundreds of years, because there were hundreds of years of slavery. <laughs> Finally, Yitzhak Mitzrayim, Hashem promises us we're going to come to Matan Torah. Matan Torah is called the Chasam of the Jewish people in Hashem. So imagine we're finally there, we're too tired. <laughs> Get back to me tomorrow. I can't, I have no time for Hashem now. So it's, it's odd. And, and the Rev explains that it means something deeper than that. It's not just that they were tired from traveling. But rather, the Avodah of that day was the Avodah of coming to full, complete Achdus. And real Achdus is very tiring. 
In other words, to have true unity, we're not just talking about, you know, I'm nice to you, you're nice to me, but the true sense of unity and the true ability to accept and appreciate and respect every other person is something that's an intense avoda. And Hashem says, you know what, I'm not talking to you, I want you to work on that avoda. When you work on that avoda, when that avoda is beshlemus, when we're able to reach that sense, that level of perfect unity, I'll talk to you tomorrow. That's more important than me talking to you today. And therefore, that's the Avoida of Rishchidesh Sivan. Um, we know and we're taught that everything that happened once happens again and happens again every year on that time. As the Pasik says in Megillas Esther, that these days, the special events and the special dates in the Jewish calendar, every year as we remember them, we relive them and their energies are there again. So therefore, this entire week ahead of us, the week that leads into the month to the Yom Tov of Shavuos, the occurrences of this week is occurrences that we are able to try to tap into over these next days. Um, even though Matan Torah was 3,330 years ago, exactly. This year is 3,330 years since the giving of Torah by Sinai. So it was 3,330 years ago tonight and tomorrow that we arrived in Har Sinai and we were able to do and uh, connect to this tremendous Avodah of and definitely something to reflect on today as well. Um, the Gemara goes on to say that on the second day of Shavuos, a uh, uh, second day of Sivan, Hashem gave them the mitzvah of Hagbalah, and that's where we, where, where we begin counting the Shleishes Yimei Hagbalah, which is um, which is on Beis. On Be- I, I, I'm sorry, I just made a mistake. I, I take that back. Beis Sivan is called the day of our Yichus. The day of our yichus, the word, what's the right word for yichus in English? Lineage. Lineage. The day of our special lineage. It was on this day that Hashem said some very beautiful things about his endearing expressions about Klal Yisrael. Hashem tells Moshe, please tell the Yidden. He says, V'atem ti mamleches koyhanim. V'goy kadosh. You will be for me a kingdom of koyhanim, a holy nation, and you will be for me a treasure from amongst all the nations. So it's on this day that Hashem calls us with these, again, terms of endearment, a kingdom of Kayanim, a holy nation, a treasure from amongst all the nations. It's on this day that Hashem expresses His tremendous love for Klal Yisrael, and that's why forever the second day of Sivan is called Yom HaMiyuchas, the day where Hashem gave us our yichus, He told us our special lineage and that special love that He has for each and every one of us. That's the second day of Sivan, which is on, and, uh, which is Wednesday. This week, this this year comes out on Wednesday. That time it was on Tuesday. Right? We're one day off this year because the Torah was given on Shabbos, right? The first time when Hashem by Matan Torah was on Shabbos. We're having it on Sunday this year. So we're one day ahead. But n- n- still, Aleph, Beis, Gimel stays the same. Um, so Aleph is Rish Chodesh, that's the Avodah of Achdus. Beis is the Yom HaMiyuchas, the day where Hashem gave us and told us our, our Yichus and that special um, love that He has for each and every Yid. That's Beis Sivan. And Gimel Sivan, which is for us going to be Thursday, um, and then was Wednesday. And Gimel Sivan, Hashem gave Moshe the midst of Hagbalah, of being Magbil, the... Um, 
the mountain, of putting on the uh, the gates or whatever symbols he made, so that the Eden should, even though they're there and they'll want to come close to Hashem, we have that desire. We have to know that there has to be those limitations. That where word, we said, comes to the word gvul. Yes, exactly, and that's what we have. The shloshes yimei hagbala, which was gimel, dalit, and hey, at those two three days that they were involved in that mitzvah of hagbala. Again, basically, what the Gemara is doing is showing how all those days were a lead up. And every day there was back and forth, Hashem telling to Moshe, Moshe coming to the Eden, and, and then the Eden responding, Moshe going back to Hashem. It was, it was an entire week of a build-up towards Matan Torah. On the next day, which was Dalid Sivan, was when Hashem gave the mitzvah of Prisha, that the men and women, husbands and wives, should separate um, for the next two days until the giving of Torah. That was on Dalid Sivan. And on Hay Sivan, which was Friday then, and this year it's Shabbos. Ahasivan is the great day when we said that very famous statement, Naseven Ishma. Oh, wow. When we accept it upon ourselves that we will do whatever Hashem tells us, um, and we will listen to and, and, and we will listen and try to understand. But famously we said Nase before Nishma, first we accept with the basic Kabbalah Sil, that acceptance of the yoke of Hashem, we accept that we'll listen, we will do, we will obey. And afterward, we will learn and try to understand to the best of our ability. When we said Nasev and Nishma, the Gemara says that Malachim came down from heaven and put two crowns onto the head of each and every Yid, um, one for Nase and one for Nishma. And I'm sure that um, in the preschool, we'll have the crowns and the kids will come home, right, with the crowns um, for Nasev and Nishma. And it was really on that day also that Kalal Yisro went through a, a Gerus, um, you, you, you realize, if you remember, that Shavuos is when we really all became Yidin. Now, to become a Geir, there's a couple of basic um, requisites, rules. So the bris milah, the men already had on Pesach, right? In Mitzrayim, in order to eat the carbon Pesach, they had to go through, there was a mass bris milah on that day of leading up Erev Pesach which people don't realize that, that all the people leave Mitzrayim, the men, all, or most of them had a bris milah that day. Only Shevet Levi did brisen throughout Mitzrayim. So the bris they already had then. But mikvah was Hei Sivan, Erev Shavuos. All the men and all the women in a desert, which makes things interesting. So that's a question that's brought down. The Gemara discusses it, and there was a stream um, it says the pasuk says there was a nachal hayyurid minahar. How a few pe- how a few million people go to mikvahs. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of miracles going on at that time. But there was mikvah, and there's another part of becoming a ger, which is there's bris for a man, there's mikvah for a man or woman. What else is there to to be a ger, which we don't have nowadays, is a carbon. right? Really, one of the necessary halachas to become a convert is to bring a carbon. Now, all anyone who became a gay, who became a convert, throughout the last 2,000 years, or almost 2,000 years of Golos, Rambam rules that when Mashiach will come, they'll have to bring that carbon for their gayrus. Right? Just an important point to remember, that there's going to be a whole different set of carbonas going on then. But on Hay Sivan, in the desert, we all brought karba, a carbon as well. So it's a pretty busy day. Like the people that when the guy here, when they couldn't bring a carbon, have to do it? Yes, yes. 
Yes. In other words, even though the gerus is definitely considered complete halachically nowadays because you can't bring a carbon when there's no base of mikdash, but that carbon is sort of on hold. That obligation is on hold. When Mashiach will come, all of the gerim will bring a carbon um, completing their gerus. I want to be clear not to say that until then they're incomplete yidin, chas v'shalom. The gerus is complete, yet there's a carbon that's owed and will be brought when it will be possible, when there will be the third base of Mikdash. Did everyone, men and women? Yes, yes. Did everyone bring a carbon and a Yes. And then what, did they build a mezbeach? The, yeah, they had a different, what's called a bama. Before oh. you had the actual Mishkan and Mikdash, so a, a mezbeach was just an altar that you built, right? Like Avram built it, Avram and Noyach and Yitzchak and Yaakov. Were there they a had, lot of bamas, or just one that they... That's a good question, and honestly, I don't know the answer. Like I, I'm going to figure that there was many. I don't think there was one. There wasn't a well, mishka. One mikvah, so yeah, but that could be just go and go. That could be a stream. Could be very, very long. You know, could have been miles long for all we know. Um, but for so many people to bring karbanis on one mizbeach, it doesn't sound to be reasonable at all. Um, but I, I don't recall that Gemara should discuss that. But it does discuss that the all brought karbanis, which means just so you get a picture that it was a very, very busy day. Erev Matan Torah. Erev Matan Torah, which was Erev Shabbos, remember, was Friday. The 5th of Sivan is the day of the Karbanais, the day of the Mikvah, and the day of Nasa and Ishma. And they baked cheesecakes. And baking cheesecakes, <laughs> obviously. But, um, but they, they were kashering stuff too, right? They were kashering stuff. No, kashering was after after Shavuot. Right. That's why you said right. That they that didn't have that love. When, when you said that they may have bala, I thought they were doing the no, 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 no. So I, I just want to point out on a practical side that um, I mentioned earlier that everything that happened then happens spiritually nowadays as we lead up to Matan Torah as well, and a point that the Rebbe made very clearly, and I happen to have. Been there. It was it was Erev Shavuos of 1989. It was Talmud in the yeshiva then, and he said that Erev Shavuos is a day that everyone should reflect on Nasa Nishma. He says sometimes we don't think about it until Shavuos, and especially Erev Yom Tov can be very very busy and hectic, not not more hectic than it was then, but it could be very busy and hectic, so we might lose it. This year though, it's not so hectic because Erev Shavuos is Shabbos, so this year we're able to really do Erev Shavuos right, and doing Erev Shavuos right. It means to take some time to think about that great acceptance that we accepted that made us worthy of receiving the Torah when we said Nasa v'nishma. In fact, the Gemara relates that the Malachim, the angels on high, were not happy with this whole business of Matan Torah. They said, why are you giving it down to those people? I mean, they're human. They're full of, um, uh, you know, difficulties. What's the word? Chisreinus. Flaws, deficiencies, you know. Give it to the angels. We'll, we'll be able to treat the Torah properly. We'll be holier about it and so on and so forth. And again, famously, the Gemara relates an entire debate between Moshe Rabbeinu and the angels. But then it says that when the Yidin said, Nasa v'nishma, the angels said, wow, how'd they know that? Migila libni razeh. Who taught them that secret? Because those were the two magical words when we were able to say Nasa v'nishma that we, we accept to obey. And then to listen and hear, that's when Hashem was able to, so to speak, respond to the angels and say, see, that's my children over there. That's where the Torah belongs. And that all leads up to Shavuos, which was on the sixth day of Sivan. Um, and that's when Hashem actually gives us the Torah. Um, and that's when we really become Kal Yisrael. That's when we become Kal Yisrael. In fact, every day when we mention Ubanu Bacharta, Mikol Ha'amim, that Hashem chose us from amongst all the nations, and we're called the chosen nation, we're supposed to have in mind when, when did Hashem actually make that choice, so to speak, 
on the day of Matan Torah. On the sixth day of Sivan, when Hashem gives us His Torah, again, his, his, uh, the greatest gift to us, and with that, all the mitzvahs, and with that, we become really Klal Yisrael. Then why did Hashem put them out in love us? When did He do that? On the sixth day, or when we said not? Or we said Nasa Nishma because he put the mountain over our head. When did he do that? So the story of putting the mountain over our head, it would seem, it's not exactly clear, but it would seem that that was, it's not clear if it was on Friday or Shabbos. It's not clear if it's on Erev Shavuos or on Shavuos. Was it on the day of Erev or Yom Tev? And there we have, again, another famous and very interesting, mysterious Gemara that Hashem picks up the mountain over the heads of the Jewish people and says, if you accept the Torah, that's great. And if not, I'm going to settle the mountain down over you. So that they didn't have much of a choice. And they said, yes, we accept the Torah. And that's, again, one of the Agadas of the Gemara, which raises the obvious question. Uh, The Jewish people wanted the Torah. They were waiting to receive the Torah. They were counting Sphira in order to get the Torah. This was considered the Chasana of Hashem and the Jewish people. So it's almost like, you know, the chassan is standing under the chuppah and the kala is walked up and suddenly he pulls out a gun. Are you going to get married to me or not? <laughs> That's what I'm here for, you know. So we were here to receive the Torah. Why did Hashem do that? And there's many different answers given to the question. Perhaps the, the, the most, one of the basic answers is that Hashem was telling us that our acceptance of Torah has to be whether we are excited and inspired and in the mood or not. In other words, right now, we're all inspired, right now we all want it, and this is wonderful, but an ultimate relationship is not something that can exist only on the good mood and goodwill and desire of the participants. Rather, there is an acceptance, there is a, um, um, there is a uh, commitment. And the mountain over the head was telling us that your acceptance of terror has to be in a way of total commitment that you understand that there's no other choice. So yes, of course, your choice is to do it now, today, but there are going to be times that you might not be so much in the mood of it or so inspired or so interested. And therefore, I want you to understand that the acceptance of Torah is something that goes beyond our momentary desire and want and choice, but it's something that as Yidin, once we become Yidin, we have no choice in it. And a person can't decide or opt that today I'm not Jewish or today I'm, you know, I'll have the Torah again tomorrow, today I'm taking a break. And that's one of the basic answers given to this idea of the Torah of the mountain over the head of the Jewish people. Were there some Yidin in our Sinai that decided not to? Be Megayer accept the Torah? Not that I've ever heard of. I mean, we know that there was Yidin in Mitzrayim who didn't want to go along for the ride. The and they didn't. The no, the Erev Rav is something else. The Erev Rav is the Mitzrayim that joined us. But before the Erev Rav, there was... Many Yidin in Mitzrayim that didn't want to leave Mitzrayim, and they died in Mitzrayim. They stayed in Mitzrayim. So, but whoever left Mitzrayim was coming along because they wanted this. They knew in Mitzrayim when they, when they were leaving what they were leaving for. Mm-hmm. Right? Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu before he even comes to the Jewish people, you're taking my people out of Mitzrayim to come to this mountain where Hashem had initially appeared to Moshe. Right? That initial appearance to, of Hashem to Moshe back in Parshas, uh, in Parshas Shemais, is the burning bush is by, by near, the, near Har Sinai, or on Har Sinai. So Hashem tells him then, you're going to go to Mishraim, you're going to bring my children out and bring them to this mountain where they will become my servants. So it's not as if there's any surprises here. And that's why they were counting towards that. So Matan Torah is really the, um, the culmination of what the entire Yitzhiya's Mishraim was for. 
So that that's basically that's the that's the events that we start tonight, which culminate next um, next Sunday, and then Monday in Chutzlaretz as well. Um, and of course, um, as as I'm sure you know, that if all of these ideas are something that happen every year, most importantly is the giving of Torah, which is the reason why specifically the Rebbe encouraged so much when it comes to reading the Torah in Shul and Shavuos to make sure that everyone is there, man, woman, and child, even little babies, just like the first time around when Hashem gave us the Torah, all of Kal Yisrael was there. And the Medrash says that Hashem says, if even one Yid wouldn't have been there, I couldn't give the Torah. It was something given to all of us. So that is, in a small way, given to us every year on Shavuos when we read the Aserah Sadibris, and therefore we see to it that everyone tries to be in Shul. Again, men, women, children, babies, Everyone comes to be able to receive the Torah again from Hashem, this Shavuot Semir Hashem. Okay, having said that, I wanted to talk a little bit, at least uh, time allowing, um, about some ideas about Torah, the gift of Torah, and the study of Torah. Right? Hashem chose to make us Jewish people by giving us the gift of Torah. And there is, especially when it comes to women, there's always the question of what is a woman's obligation to Torah? Yes, obligated, not obligated, and it's an area... That, that there is, I find, some confusion. So I want, to, I want to talk about that. Why do we learn Torah? Simple enough question. To bring us closer to Hashem. Okay. Any other thoughts? It's a guide for life for us. Okay, good. Any other thoughts? Yeah. This is correct and this is correct. Okay, I'm looking for another idea as well. Both of them are 100% correct. Okay, let's go in order. There's three primary reasons why we learn Torah. Well, we'll start with what you said, and that is the word Torah itself means to learn. The actual meaning of the word Torah is lesson, guide. Torah tells us how to live. As a yid, um, Hashem gave it. It's like a manual. Um, there are 613 mitzvahs in the Torah. There's 248 positive commandments and 365 negative commandments. And there's rabbinic law and there's interpretation and there's explanation. So first and foremost, Torah is Hashem's guide and lesson for us to know how to live our life and how our perspective is and how our hashkafa is. And that's why we learn Torah, to know what to do. Or to say it in the quote brought on in Sfarim, Ladas es ha-maise asher ta'asun in order to know how to live and what to do. That's reason number one, and very simple, straightforward reason to learn Torah. That's an obligation. It's a chiyuv to learn in order to know what to do. And here comes the question. Are women obligated in that obligation to yes. learn in order to know what to do? They have to yes. know how long. Yes. The answer is simply yes. A man and a woman carry exactly the same level of obligation to learn Torah in order to know what to do. So if we have to keep Shabbos, we have to learn Hilchas Shabbos. Because if you don't know the halachas of Shabbos, you can't keep Shabbos, practically speaking. You could say it's Shabbos, but if you don't know the halachas, you're not going to keep it properly. And the same thing is with Shavuos, and the same thing is with Davening, and the same thing is with every mitzvah that we have. The only way we can do it is if we learn about it. And that's a chiyuv, that's an obligation that obligates men and women equally. So much so that halachically, we say every morning, Birchas HaTorah, right? Way back when, in our Siddur, probably a year and a half ago, um, we learned about the Brachas, right? We have Brachas in the morning. So first we say the 15 Brachas about being able to see and be able to hear and stand and walk and so on. But then we have three Brachas that are called Birchas HaTorah. 
Right? The bracha every day. Are women obligated to make birchas Torah every morning? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Well, 100%. It's not even a question. It's a clear halacha and shulchan aruch. The women are obligated to say birchas Torah every morning. Why? Because they're obligated to learn halacha. And again, this is, this is straight Shulchan Aruch, that a woman carries that obligation, that chiyuv, to learn halacha. And if you have to learn Torah, you have to make birchas atar. So the, the first basic reason why we learn is to know what to do. And on the perspective of that reason, there isn't a difference for men and women. Both of them have to learn in order to know what they have to do. That's A. B, there's a second reason why we learn Torah, and that is... Because it's a mitzvah to learn Torah. Simple. There's a mitzvah to keep Shabbos. There's a mitzvah to eat kosher. And there's a mitzvah to learn Torah. Pasik says, You should learn it. There's many psukim that talk about the mitzvah of learning Torah. Plain. In other words, in addition to the fact that you have to learn to know what to do. Like, Theoretically speaking, what if I already know all the halachas? I know all the halachas. So then I don't have to learn in order to know what to do because I know already what to do. Then, but, but number two, there's just a plain mitzvah to learn. Here is where there's a difference between men and women. A man has an obligation to learn Torah, whether you need to know what to do or not. You just, a man has a chiyuv to learn. And that's really a constant sort of a chiyuv. Right? As the Pasik says, to always study Torah. And that's a man's mitzvah. A woman is not obligated in that constant mitzvah of learning Torah. Am I being clear? In other words, divorced from part A, which we were discussing, about learning to know what to do, that man and woman are both equally obligated, the mitzvah of learning just for the sake of learning is a chiv, is an obligation that there is on a man more than on a woman. Now, next question. So fine, a woman doesn't have the obligation to learn Torah. So when she learns, is she doing a mitzvah? Yes. Or in other words, let me ask the question a little differently. If I'm not obligated to do something and I do it, am I fulfilling a mitzvah? No, no. You don't get schar? That's a different I say question. say no. no. Well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> you have no yitzharah to overcome. This. Okay, so you're talking about a level of schar. That's a different <laughs> conversation. Let me, let's change the question. Is a woman obligated to shake an esther gamula van sukkis? No. 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 It's a positive mitzvah that has a time. Mitzvah sasei shazman grama. If a woman does shake the esrim does she perform a mitzvah? Yes. yes. Yeah. Right? Is a woman obligated to hear the shayfar on Rosh Hashanah? Obligated. Obligated, obligated. No. no. Mitzvah sasei shazman grama. If a woman hears the shayfar, is she fulfilling a mitzvah? Yes. yes. The important rule to remember is not being obligated to do something does not mean that if I do it, I'm not performing a mitzvah. That's an important thing to remember. So true, a woman is not obligated just to pick up a sefer and learn. True. Yet, if a woman does pick up a sefer and learn, she's performing a mitzvah. That's a fact. It's an important fact to remember. Not only that, when we shake an astrogalul, when a woman shakes an astrogalul, do you make a bracha on it? Yes. Even though it's not an obligation, but it's a mitzvah. If it's a mitzvah, you can make a bracha. Aside from if you're Sephardic, just saying. Because Sephardic tradition is that a woman does not make a bracha on a mitzvah that she's not obligated to do. I hope I'm not being... Uh, <laughs> 
Yes, no, even according to Sephardic tradition, it's a mitzvah, but they won't make a bracha. And the reason is because they have a problem with saying the word vitzivanu in the bracha, which means commanded. And this is really an age-old debate between Ashkenaz and Sephardic, going back to the Rambam and Teisvis a thousand years, about may a woman make a bracha on a mitzvah that she's not obligated to do. So again, Ashkenaz rules that yes. But it's plural, but Sivanu. Okay, so that's so the argument. Yeah. Excellent, that's the argument for yes. Excellent. So it's really an Ashkenaz Sfard debate that's alive and well today, but it doesn't make a difference as far as the mitzvah. The mitzvah is a mitzvah either way. And therefore, it's important to remember that if a woman does learn Torah, she's fulfilling a mitzvah. Which mitzvah? The mitzvah of learning Torah. Even if I'm not commanded to, that doesn't take away from the fact that it's a mitzvah nonetheless. However, even though it is a mitzvah, here comes the next question, and that's what you were talking about already. So let's say a man learns Torah and a woman is learning Torah. So the man is commanded to and learning. The woman is not commanded to and learning. They're both performing a mitzvah. Which mitzvah is bigger? The one who is performing the mitzvah that they're commanded to or the one who is performing the mitzvah that they're not commanded to? Explain. Well, meaning when we say mitzvah, you can be talking about mitzvah in the sense of getting scar. You can be talking about connecting to Hashem. Okay, so you're you're a step ahead of us. But before that, excellent, excellent, and excellent. Let me give you a, an interesting background to what what you're saying over here. There was a great sage of the Gemara of the Talmud. His name was Rav Yosef, and Rav Yosef was blind. And there was some question at that point in time amongst the sages if a person who is blind is obligated in the mitzvah of the Torah. For reasons, scholarly reasons. The halacha is that yes. But there was a debate then whether a person who is totally blind is high, was obligated in the mitzvah. So the Gemara says, the Rav Yosef said like this, that initially I felt that if someone would tell me that I'm exempt from the mitzvah, I would thank him profusely. Why? Because even if I'm exempt, I'm going to do them anyway. So I'll have so much more schar. Because even though I don't have to, I'm doing them anyway. Isn't that greater? Says Rabbi Yosef. No, it's not. Because says Rabbi Yosef, but later I understood that the opposite is true. Because with Adam Avino, he had to wait till, till the Kosh uh, Baruch told him to do the Brazilian. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So Rabbi Yosef said that later I understood Godoil Hamitsuve Ve'oise. That when one does a mitzvah, when they're commanded to, is greater than one does something when they're not commanded to. Why? Because there's something about human nature that when we have to do something, it's harder to do it than when we're when it's optional. Because if I have to, my Yitzhahara gets involved, if I have to, whatever. The fact is, when, when there's an obligation, it takes the fun out of it. So, the Gemara, so Rav Yosef said, and that becomes normative halacha, when a person carries the obligation and the responsibility that I have to do it, that's a, considered a greater act than one who does it. I'm not obligated, I'm just doing it, you know, extra credit. So, doing it as an obligation is greater. So, back to our discussion. The man is learning Torah, the woman is learning Torah, both performing mitzvahs, but the, ma- the maila, the advantage of the man's mitzvah is that he's a mitzvah v'aisa. He has a mitzvah to just learn Torah no matter what. 
And the woman doesn't. Yet, says the Gemara, that a woman can have an equal shear in the man's learning Torah. If, and when it talks about a woman who encourages her husband to learn Torah, encourages her children to learn Torah, makes sure that they're learning, then, says the Gemara, she's an equal partner in her husband, dash children, or anyone else really, that she is encouraging and inspiring to learn Torah, which means that she then becomes an equal partner in the Torah that's mitzvah v'aisa, the Torah that there is a command that's being learned by someone who has that mitzvah as well. Interestingly, um, whenever a, a person was born, a boy or a girl, so typically they would write a letter to the Rebbe and send for a bracha, and the Rebbe would send a bracha to a boy and girl. Uh, there was a, um, a nusach, a, a text, format, of, format. a format, a version of the letter for a boy, for a girl, and for the girl it said, you should bring him up, l'toira l'chupa l'maisim toivim. Unusual. In many circles they won't say l'toira l'chupa l'maisim toivim for a girl. Because a girl doesn't have the chiv of learning Torah. The rabbi would always write the letter and say, and I'm going to say as well, because a girl can ultimately be an equal partner in the Torah learned by her husband, by her family, that she is involved in inspiring them as well. She facilitates very, it. Facilitates very that. So I understand. So I understand. But that in, in, in Chabad, that is the Nusach by a boy and girl equally, Latera or Luchubalamaizim Tevim for this reason. Did all the Rebbe say that or just the. The, the Rebbe was actually saying that in the name of the fifth Lubavitch Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab. Mm-hmm. The Rebbe Rashalm Deiber who said that. And the Rebbe would, that was part of the Nusach to everyone who had a girl. You just said something important too, though. You said her husband and her family. Her yeah. Family. So if someone is not blessed with a marriage, they still. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. So Same people idea. People often say that. That's one hundred percent correct. Want to keep that well, Someone's not married; they still get rewards. That the idea of facilitating someone else to learn Torah doesn't have to necessarily be one's husband, oh. right? It's supporting and helping someone who has the chiyuv to learn and, and seeing to it and encouraging them to learn Torah. Right, one hundred percent in any in any form. Okay, all of this that we discussed so far is the as far as the first two reasons why we learn Torah. To know what to do. And there we said men and women have an equal obligation. And to fulfill the mitzvah of learning Torah. That's what we discussed until now. But the truth is, there's a third reason. And perhaps the primary and greatest of all reason why we learn Torah. And that's what you said as soon as I asked the question. Why do we ultimately learn Torah? More so than to know what to do. Even more so than because it's a mitzvah. But more than all of that, because it's the greatest union that we can have with Hashem. Hashem gave us this greatest of gifts. What is the gift of Torah? The gift of Torah is Hashem in clothing His own wisdom and these ideas and these thoughts and these halachis and giving them to us and allowing us to learn them, bring them into ourselves, bring them into our minds, and that way creating this greatest of unions between us and Hashem. The Gemara says that the first word of the Aseris Hadibris, the first word of the Ten Commandments is, as the Pasuk says, no. Anoichi. And what does the word Anoichi stand for? Says the Gemara, Mesech Shabbos, that it's an acronym, a Rosh Hatevis, for four words. Ana Nafshi Ksovis Yehovis. I, Hashem says, my very soul, have put into my writings. Hashem encloses himself in his writings and gives that to us. 
and says, when you learn this, then you and me become one. I'm in your mind, you understand me, you think me, and that becomes the greatest union of a Yid with Hashem. And as, as especially in, in Tanya, the Alter Rebbe writes about this numerous times, that there is no Yichud, there's no union between a person and Hashem that can be compared to the union created through learning his Torah. And that's why Klal Yisrael has devoted themselves to learning Torah from when we received it, 3,330 years ago. We're called the people of the book, um, and we always studied. We always, always, it was always the center of Yiddishkeit was to study and to learn and to advance in that learning. Again, more so than just to perform a mitzvah. We have many mitzvahs. But this mitzvah becomes that mitzvah of becoming one with Hashem. There's a very interesting statement in the Gemara, which the Gemara says, we know that Hashem gives us the Torah on Shavuos, the sixth day of Sivan. On the seventh day of Sivan, Moshe Rabbeinu ascends the mountain and spends there 40 days and 40 nights. What is he going to do there for 40 days and 40 nights in heaven? He's going to receive the Torah. He receives the Torah. He's going to learn it. Right? Because another thing that sometimes, sometimes people are a little bit, um, there's some lack of clarity. So we say on Shavuos we received the Torah. What did we actually receive on that day? So sometimes you see a picture of Moshe Rabbeinu standing with a Sefer Torah on the mountain. That's nonsense. Okay, there was no Sefer Torah then. Sometimes we think of Moshe Rabbeinu holding the Luchos on the mountain. That wasn't on Shavuos. That was 40 days later. On Shavuos, we just heard the Ten Commandments. We heard the Aserah Sardibras, we heard Hashem's voice. Where was, Mo- where was Moshe? Moshe was up on the mountain, and Hashem was talking, and he said that Sarah Sadibras, and then Hashem said the first two, and then Moshe said the other eight, whatever, how it went exactly. But on Shavuos, we didn't receive anything physical from Hashem. Moshe goes up the mountain, spends 40 days, learns with Hashem all of Torah Shabal Peh, all the halachas and that, and then comes down 40 days later with the first set of luchas, which are immediately broken on that day anyway. Right? Moshe goes up again. Finally, when does Moshe come down with the second set of luchos? Yom Kippur, which is 123 days later. Oh gosh! Still no Sefer Torah. When did the Sefer Torah come about? Before. Forty years later. Right? Important to remember. We talk about Shavuos. We receive the Torah, not the Sefer Torah scroll. That was forty years later. Forty years later, in Eretz Yisrael. Before Eretz The day before Moshe Rabbeinu passes away. Moshe Rabbeinu is going to pass away be- right before they go into Eretz Yisrael. Right, Zion Adar, the seventh day of Adar, Moshe passes away. A month later, a month and three days later, Yud Nisan, they cross over the Yardin in Teretz Yisrael. So a month, 33 days before they go into Teretz Yisrael is when we receive our first Sefer Torah. 40 years earlier, yes, yeah. 40 years earlier, we hear the Aserah Sadibris on Shavuos, we get the first Luchos on really Shiva Sarbatamas, 40 days later, and the second set on Yom Kippur. Okay? Be that as it may. For 40 days, Moshe Rabbeinu spends with Hashem in heaven and he learns the Torah. Now that's a lot to learn in 40 days. Right? All of everything. So we might think he probably learned a little section every day. They divided it up into 40 and every day, you know, the first day they learned Chumash Rashi, the second day Ramban, whatever it is. 40 days. But here we have one of those fascinating Gemaras that says, no, that's not what happened. Every day, Hashem taught him everything, and he forgot it all. And the next day, he started over and taught him everything, and he forgot it all. Until the 40th day, 
Ad shenitna loy bimatona. Till it was given to him as a gift, the ability of retention. That he was able to retain the Torah and teach it to the Jewish people. So here the question is, why? Now, just thinking, maybe some, some people around the table might be teachers, and think about students that every day you come into school and you start all over again from the beginning. Now, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we might feel that way, but still, something. And we're talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. We're not talking about a child. And what makes it more perplexing is, this is not the first time he was learning Torah. He learned Torah in Mitzrayim. They had yeshivas in Mitzrayim, right? We know that Yehuda went down to Mitzrayim 210 years ago um, to, to establish a yeshiva. Shevet Levi always studied in Mitzrayim. So what Torah were they studying? So they were studying with Ruach HaKodesh, with divine inspiration, what was going to be later. These were all Nevi'im, or many of them were, and the teachers were. So what is the Gemara trying to tell us, and what's the meaning behind this daily forgetfulness of the Torah? And in one of the Sikhs, the Rebbe explains a beautiful idea. And he says... There's a big difference between the Torah that they learned un until the giving of Torah and from the giving of Torah. Until the giving of Torah, they were learning ideas, thoughts, holy thoughts, good thoughts, Torah thoughts. But Hashem himself wasn't yet enclosed in his Torah. The unlimited nature and aspect of Hashem, the Bli Gvul, the endlessness of Hashem wasn't deposited, wasn't enclosed in his Torah. When Hashem said that first word of the Aserah Sadibris, Anoichi Hashem Aleichach, that the Gemara tells us Anoichi means that my very essence I'm enclosing in Torah. At that moment, Hashem miraculously, magically, enclosed himself in his Torah. Anoichi Ksavis, kaf, saf, vez, yotaf, yehovis, yod, hey, vez, yod, saf. What does yehovis mean? To love? To give. To give. Give over. You can't even imagine the Torah not with Hashem's. Exactly. Well, because we're a couple thousand years late. Right. But, right. But, and here he says the following. Once Hashem is inside those words of Torah, naturally it was impossible for a human mind, great as it may be, to grasp that and retain that. Even Moshe Rabbeinu is a human being. And Hashem is unlimited. Hashem is infinite. The infinite cannot be held, grasped by something that's finite, like a human mind. And that's what Hashem was really teaching Moshe Rabbeinu. He was showing Moshe, this Torah is a whole new picture. I've invested my very self in it. This is something that even you, as many times as will learn it, you don't have, it's not, you're not able to grasp that, to hold on to that. And for 40 days, they were going through that. And again, the Gemara finishes, Ad shenitna loy bimatona. Until Hashem gave Moshe Rabbeinu, and through Moshe Rabbeinu, all of Klal Yisrael, the ultimate matona, the ultimate gift, the gift for a regular, finite human mind to grasp the infinite Hashem. And that's the gift of Torah. That's Matan Torah. Chag Matan Torah Seinu, Zman Matan Torah Seinu. The day of the gift where Hashem, so to speak, wrapped himself in grift wrapper and gave himself to us through the Torah that he gave us. And that had to be a gift even for Moshe Rabbeinu. And then, of course, for us. And therefore, this 
is the third reason why we learn. And I'm being repetitious, more so than just to know what to do, even if I already know everything. More so even than to fulfill another mitzvah. It's the desire that we have to avail ourselves of that greatest of gifts, where Hashem enables us to connect with Him in this most intimate of ways, where we become one through the wisdom of Torah that He imparts with us within ourselves. So I'll conclude with one final idea. There's an interesting uh, description in the Gemara. The Gemara says, a, a person passes on and he comes to heaven. And they ask him a couple of questions in the heavenly courts. One of them is, did you study Torah? Kavaita itim la Torah, where you man, did you dedicate, designate times to learn Torah? So the Gemara describes something that's, I don't know, even comical, serious, whatever it is. But the Gemara describes the following story. person comes up and says, you know, I really would have loved to learn Torah, but I just couldn't because I was so poor. Parnassa was impossible. And I was running after this job and that job, and I couldn't support, I couldn't make ends meet. I, I just didn't have time to learn. So the heavenly court says, they call out Hillel, the great sage Hillel from wherever he is in Ganeidan. And they say, were you poorer than Hillel? Because Hillel, the Gemara relates, was so poor that he had to go out and chop wood. This is the great sage of the Jewish people chopping wood to sell some wood in the marketplace. And whatever proceeds he would make, he would take half and give to his wife to buy for the house, whatever he needed, half to, to go to the base medrash to learn Torah. So, that, so one time he didn't have money to go in, so he hid by the window and it was snowing, right? So Hillel was this person who lived in poverty and was the greatest teacher of Torah of his time. So this neshama that comes up to heaven and is complaining, I would have loved to learn Torah, I was just too poor. They say, look at Hillel. There goes that excuse. Okay, the next guy comes up and they ask him, Rabid, did you learn Torah? He says, I would have loved to. I was just way too wealthy for that. I had business dealings throughout the world. I was called upon in every meeting. I had to give tzedakah. I had no time. So they say, hold it. They call out Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi from Ganeda. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi is the, is the one who wrote the first book of Teresh Shabal Peh, Mishnah. And Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi was the wealthiest man in his generation. It says the two wealthiest men of the generation were Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi and the Roman emperor. And Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi was wealthier. So they say, were you wealthier than Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi? No, obviously not. And Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi was Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, was the teacher of Torah of the entire time. There goes that excuse. That's, this, is a this is the Gemara describes what goes on. That's the story, interesting story. So to make, to make a long sikha short, the, the, the Rabbi asks the following question. He says, what's the depth of this story? He says, the guy who shows up in heaven and says, I didn't have time because I was poor. I didn't have time because I was wealthy. Is it true or is it not true? You know, in heaven you can't say, Baba Mises. <laughs> you know, oh, I didn't do it. You know, in heaven they pull out the, v you know, the DVD. They show you the video. <laughs> it's all there. So what do you mean you didn't have time? You did have time. So he says, he says what's going on? The person says, I didn't have time because I was too poor. D did he really not have time? Or he did. So if he's just making up a story, you can't make up stories in heaven. So clearly it's the truth they didn't have time. So if he, clearly, if he really didn't have time, so what did they gain by bringing Hillel out of Ganeidin, Rabbi Yudha Nasi out of Ganeidin? The guy didn't have time. 
You understand? In, in Talmudic expression, this is called a question mimanafshach. Mimanafshach means either way. If it's not true what the person is saying, then in heaven, lies don't fly. If it's true, then what's the difference who you bring from Ganadin? It's the true thing. He didn't have any time. So what's, what's going on in this story? And, and the explanation the Rebbe gives us the following. He says like this. He says, of course, if a person says, I has no time, it's true. Because in heaven, you don't make up stories. In heaven, you can't lie. So if you say, I had no time because I was poor, it's really true. And therefore, you couldn't be obligated to learn. Um, I had no time because I, I was so wealthy and busy. It's true. And therefore, really, um, we couldn't obligate you to learn. They bring out Hillel or Bihudanasi. Why? They also didn't have time. They also had a very, very valid excuse and a very, very valid exemption because they were too poor or too wealthy or anywhere in between. And, and they were exempted. Exempted from the obligation to learn Torah. And here comes the punchline. There's learning because I'm obligated to. If I'm obligated, I could be exempted. But then there's the real way a Yid learns Torah, not because I'm obligated, but because I want to. Because I realize that's the greatest gift Hashem gave me. We all know, sometimes we don't have time. And we really don't have time. But there's still time for that which we really, really want to do. Not having time is true for obligations. It's true for exemptions. But it's not true for what I really, really want. Because what I really, really want, I find in between the time that I don't have. You make time. You make time. You create time. Now, was it true that you didn't have time? Yes, it was true. I really didn't have time. But if I want it enough, not having time somehow is not a problem. I find place for it. And that's the story of this Gemara, says the Rebbe. He says, the person who said I was too poor, he was too poor. And he was too wealthy. And he didn't have time. But what, they, what they're telling them by bringing out Rebbe Hudanasi and Hillel Zakin is, they also didn't have time and they were also exempt. So what? That didn't stop anyone. Because they recognized the gift of Torah, not the obligation of Torah, not the chiyuv of Torah. Yeah, that's important too. But the obligation they were exempted from. What's expected of us is to recognize how this is the greatest gift that Hashem gives us. If it's a gift, what do you mean? I didn't have time to take the gift. I, I found time. I looked time. I squeezed time in and here, there, a little bit. And when we recognize how this is truly the greatest gift that Hashem gives us, then the lack of time stops being an issue. And that's really the Yom Tov of Shuas that we, where we merit again to receive this gift from Hashem again. And on this Yom Tov is definitely a time to reflect on that gift and to take on new resolutions in availing ourselves of that gift another year and increasing in our own Torah study for ourselves and helping others and like we said, this chus of facilitating and encouraging and helping others learn Torah in any form. Um, and Hashem should help that we should be able to receive the Torah once again. And not only the Torah of last year, but the new revelations of Torah, especially as the Pasuk says, when Mashiach will come, it will be Torah Chadasha, new and greater and deeper levels of Torah to be revealed. May we celebrate that in Mr. Hashem this year on this Yom Tov of Shavuos. Amen. Amen. And we will learn in two weeks. Mr. Hashem, we'll go back to the Siddur.